Help, I got a Mac podcast episode number 16. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Help, I Got a Mac. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft. And I'm Chris Biting. And we are here with your favorite Mac Switcher podcast. Uh, Chris, what is a Mac Switcher, anyway? It is someone who has decided to, to take that old Windows machine and just throw it out the window and get what I think are the best computers on the planet. Okay, that's... that's Macs. <laughs> there you go. So that is one way of describing a Mac switcher. <laughs> Another would be that, you know, you're totally not kosher with the whole idea of going to the store and picking up a Vista machine. Mm-hmm. But you you definitely love your XP machine, and you're never going to get rid of it because you've always been a PC person. But you are thinking about getting one of those shiny white plastic things called a Mac. Or the shiny aluminum things. Or the shiny alu- aluminum things. Actually, yes, this is a show just for the Mac switchers. Uh, people who are just now getting a Mac, just got a Mac, or thinking about getting one, uh, we pretty much stay basic here. We, we realize that there are people that have had a MacBook or an iMac or something of that nature probably for the last you know year and a half, and you still don't understand some of the basics because you never had anybody you could ask. Well, it's all changed now. For the low, low price of absolutely nothing. Or a donation. Or a donation over at gspn.tv slash donate. You get, the, you, you get awesome Mac content. Absolutely. Every single week, delivered to you via podcast, and here live on TalkShoe. I love TalkShoe. TalkShoe rocks. So, uh, what do we got in the uh, agenda for tonight there, Man, Chris. we've got a really bleeding-edge show. Uh, I've got uh, some experiences with the new 10.5.2, which is the new uh, Leopard update, which came out tonight. Uh, we've got uh, a phone call from uh, our good friend Brad in Alaska. Okay. Alaska Brad, as you know him. Uh, we've got some software recommendations. We've got uh, maybe a new Mac user tip and uh, some feedback on uh, Time Capsule. It's going to be a good show. Excellent. Well, let's go ahead and get started with our first call of the evening. Is that okay with you? Absolutely. All right, here we go. Alaska Brad. Gentlemen, Alaska Brad calling in again. I am halfway towards saving up money for my iPhone now that Alaska is allowed to have iPhones or they, AT&T has purchased Cellular One, which happens to be my carrier. I am wondering when an updated iPhone is coming down the pipe. Have you guys heard any rumors, or is there a cell phone convention conference uh, coming up soon that uh, might uh, shed a little more light on when I should purchase? Because I, I, I don't want to pull a Leo and, and go out and buy one next month and then have <laughs> one come down two months from now that's uh, bigger and better. Thanks. Well, uh, it was funny. He actually left two messages. Uh, the second message he left maybe like, a day later saying, hey, they just updated the, the iPhone. So uh, to, to answer his question, and for those who, who have been under a rock, yeah, they updated the iPhone now to uh, 16, gig, uh, yeah, 16 gigs and 8 gigs. Uh, the 16 gig is $499, which is uh, the same price I paid for my limited edition 4 gig back uh, a f- you know, this summer. So anyhow. And then uh, the 8 gig is going to be, what, 399 
Yeah, it's the same price. Same price. Very cool. I think that's excellent. Now, he he called back and asked if mine was for sale. It's like, eh, no, nah, not yet. I'm, I'm still completely fine with my 4-gig iPhone, although I will say that having a 16-gig iPhone is quite tempting. However, I would never, 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 never upgrade and spend all the extra money on a higher-capacity iPhone unless they gave me a higher-capacity 3G wireless system out there. Yeah, the the next phone I'll I'll try to uh, convince my wife I I absolutely need would be the the next version of the iPhone, whatever that is. You know, if it's got 3G, if it's got you know WiMAX, whatever, uh, that'll be the one I'll get. I'm not going to get just a, a bump in in memory. Absolutely. Uh, now now talk to me once the SDK comes out and there's all these you know sweet applications out for the iPhone. This and is I'll probably true. change my tune. This is true. If they have some if they have some memory uh, intense kind of programs out there. Absolutely, I could see that. So uh, we want to welcome Congested and uh, Rev Tim, Brett Irwin, and Don Lewis, and also Linker Patrick J uh, in the chat room. Uh, we're going to have uh, Patrick come in here in just a few moments. But uh, yeah, it's, it's great to have you folks in live. Just wanted to welcome you guys. Now, uh, yeah, absolutely. I think the uh, when is the software developer kit coming out? Uh, this month sometime. Uh, rumor has it that there's going to be an Apple event on the 26th of February that's going to address the SDK and possibly a new uh, MacBook Pro with multi-touch. Oh, sweet. Yeah. And for those of you who are not uh, quite aware of what we're talking about with an SDK and software developer kit, basically all of us who have this iPhone are limited to the applications, the very limited applications that Apple has given us, and web applications, meaning that we have to access websites that do functionality that you would typically associate with a, uh, a program that you would have on your own personal PDA or personal digital assistant. Easy for you to say. That's what I was just that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so anyway, now they have this uh, kit, this developer kit that will allow people who know how to write programs to write programs for the language of the iPhone so that they can uh, then sell them to us and we can download them, install them on our, on our iPhone, and we would no longer have to have access to the web to use some standard functionality. What kind of applications have you seen out there on the the previous downloadable version of software that you're looking forward to coming back with a new software developer kit, Chris? You know, uh, as, as some people who follow the show regularly know, uh, I jailbroke my phone um, a few revisions ago, and then, you know, since then I've decided to go just, just a straight-up normal Apple certified install. But uh, the apps that I used that I was really, really excited about was one called Apollo IM, which was uh, an instant messaging client. And, man, it was really, really nice to have that and not you know, use text messaging or, or log into something like Mebo through Safari to use. Uh, it was really nice to have that. Another thing that I really, really liked was uh, a program that downloaded podcasts directly. And the, the fact that I can't do that in iTunes right now just – absolutely drives me insane yes they now i had heard about that in fact somebody at podcamp nashville was just talking about having the um the the ability to download from the web the podcast as you subscribe to them now can you tell me a little bit about that program that you were using obviously it wouldn't take it subscribe it wouldn't download it and then sync it back to your your uh itunes right no this was it just downloaded it into a pocket of of 
a pocket of empty space on your iPhone. Now there is a program, and I for the life of me I can't remember what it is. It's it's basically a website that'll allow you to if you're on a Wi-Fi network to to download, not really download and keep, but listen to a podcast uh, streaming. It's only got a, a handful of podcasts, generally the the top upper upper tier podcasts. Um, but it's on uh, Apple's website. It's it's a web app, so you know it's obviously okay to use. Right. Um, one of the other things that I want to mention that uh, I recently figured out, and it's uh, thanks to Patrick, who we're going to bring on the on the line here in about three or four more minutes. Um, what, what did we tell him? Did we tell him seven twenty? Something like that. Something like that. So anyway, uh, he had he had emailed me quite some time ago, uh, and I think it's back in January. And he told me about something you could do to get like show notes put back into your iPhone listing or onto the iPhone uh, page of your um, podcasts. Uh, for those of you who have downloaded podcasts using the older, you know, the non-iPhone and the non-iPod Touch, um, you were able to get show notes from the RSS feed. So whenever you downloaded a podcast... Uh, the iTunes would automatically grab, I don't know how many characters, but they would grab at least a paragraph worth of, of the show notes from the RSS feed of where it was downloaded from. So if I typed up something in the post entry on my WordPress blog, you know, chances are the first paragraph or so would be downloaded and be able to be accessed uh, by pushing the random buttons on your iPhone, or I'm sorry, on your iPod to, to read what's going on there. Yeah, and and that functionality is not here on the iPhone. However, in the ID three tags, there is a tag called lyrics. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say that that's kind of a workaround for that. Yeah, and so I finally I I finally got around to testing it today on episode one seventy six of my crazy life. And if you pull it up, it looks like it normally does. It's got the album art, but if you tap the screen so that you know that's what brings up the uh, ability to to bring the, I don't know, what do you call that, the little status bar and take you deeper into the episode. Mm-hmm. And and that's where they have sure. the, the repeat and the cross, um, what do they call that? The shuffle? Shuffle, yes. <laughs> and so if you bring that screen up and you tap on it, it will bring up the show notes, although now it's not. So that's kind of crazy. Good job. Way to break it, Cliff. Oh, there it is. So, yeah, you tap it up, and it says, Hey, have you ever considered joining the monthly support team? Visit gspn.tv slash donate for more details. And then it says, Join the conversation by calling our feedback line at 859-795-4067. So it, it's a wonderful way to get a little bit of additional information in there for your podcast listeners. Cool. And and once again, you just you just uh, reminded everybody to donate. So there you go. Absolutely, very. It cool. was like a it was like a two for one deal. Did you like how I slipped that in there? <sighs> Always a salesman. Oh man. Anyway, uh, real big uh, thing came out tonight. Um, for those who who are, are new to this, uh, you can go if you click on your little Apple logo and go to software update. It hits Apple servers, asks you know the system, hey, for my software, is there any any cool updates for it? Well. A major system release came out tonight, 10.5.2. Okay, and this is for and Leopard only, right? It is, yeah. It's for OS 10.5 Leopard. Okay. And it's, I, I've been reading about this update for the past few weeks now. It was supposed to be a huge, huge bug fix update. I mean, it was just the, the amount of fixes and, and tweaks and everything that, that came out for this has just been crazy. Um, I downloaded it tonight. It was 180 megabytes, and, um, and that's to go from 10.5.1 to 10.5.2. 
So if you buy a retail copy of, of Leopard, chances are it's just going to be 10.5. And uh, you can download what's called a combo update. It's probably about 300 megs, I'm, I'm guessing. Gotcha. Anyway, a uh, little experience for you just so you're not freaking out when you install it. It takes a really, really, really long time to patch, about a half hour uh, to, to download it, run it, and get it to the point that it reboots. And when it reboots, it reboots twice. So uh, it reboots, and then that little Apple logo comes up, and the gear spins for a little while, and then it reboots again. And uh, it took a little bit of time for that to come up, but once it came up, it was really, really, really fast. I noticed a, a big difference in speed of opening applications, especially like Mail and Safari. Those seem to be a lot snappier now. A um, couple little, little things you can turn off the transparent uh, menu bar. A lot of people were kind of complaining about that menu bar you know, at the, at the very top of your Mac being translucent now, so you can see through it. So if you have a weird background, like a light background or a, an off-color background, Right. It made it made things to read in the background kind of hard, so now you can turn it off and it just goes to your standard gray, which is pretty sweet. Um, what is that? What? I hear an audio in the background. I don't hear anything. Okay. Anyway, um, also uh, it seems a little snappier as far as uh, the 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 oh, dock and everything. I'm sorry. You know what happened is the you're able to hear people on TalkShoe, but I have them muted on the board here. And oh, uh, okay. cool, cool guy just came in, and so uh, I just muted him. But welcome to the show, cool guy. Uh, if you have anything that you want to add or ask in the uh, show here, feel free free to uh, hit request to talk at any time. And uh, get back to ten point five point two. One of the big things they fixed. A lot of people had a problem with with a new feature called stacks. And what stacks were is uh, if you drug a folder like your applications folder or your document folder into the dock. Um, you know, you, you could display like a fan of all the icons or a grid, and they got rid of the best one, which was the list view. You know, you click on your applications folder, and it brings up a giant list of your applications. Right. Well, for whatever reason, 10.5 got rid of that, and I was really, really kind of bummed out about that because I didn't like the grid view. I didn't like the fan view. I thought they were kind of a pain. Well, they give you the option now to go back to list view. So that's Whoa. a huge, awesome thing that, that's, that's just great. You know, that's so funny that, that you talk like that because... I remember when when Cliff or anybody else who's a PC user is used to a certain way of doing things, and Apple decides you don't no longer need it. It's kind of like somebody I know. I, I I wouldn't know who his what his name is, but there's somebody that kind of I think they said something like, "Well, this is just the way it is, and Apple does it right." And so, you know, you can get used to not using it. I don't, yeah, I don't, well, I don't know who would say something like that though. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, uh, okay, Apple is up to admitting when they have a mistake. Yeah. And they gave us gave us now the ultimate option, which is, you know, however you want to do it, uh, the way you like it, you can do it. And I, I'll tell you, I switched it back to list view, and it's nice and fast. It works good. It's I'm moving through the applications and stuff. It's just, it's just great. If you've been waiting to upgrade to Leopard, with the update of ten point five point two. There's yeah. no excuses now. There's, they updated Safari. There's uh, Safari's a lot snappier now. They fixed a memory leak in uh, Mail. I was just talking to a buddy of mine who works at Apple Corporate in uh, Austin, and he said they, they did a lot of updates to, to Mail, and it, they fixed some memory leaks and, and things like that. So awesome, Cliff. Now it's time to go buy it. All right. Well, I I'm almost convinced not. I mean, but the thing is, I I, I am going to the Apple Store. And I'm gonna take my 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 plastic book, and I'm so upset with my MacBook right now. I am taking it over there, and I'm gonna have them inspect my wireless card. 
uh, because I happen to believe that there has to be something wrong with it. We're going to talk about it in just a little bit um, and give a little update of what I've tried since uh, the last week. <laughs> but we're going to go to uh, pa- uh, Patrick on the line real quick first. He is at his Mac user group, and I believe he's doing a presentation telling them about uh, our podcast and, and about RSS and everything like that. So, Patrick, are you on the line? Yes, I'm here. Okay, are you guys ready? Yeah, uh, hold on one. Sure. Right. Okay, you're ready. Yeah. Okay. okay. If uh, everybody here wonders why I've been sitting up front with these headphones in my ears, um, I'm actually plugged into a live podcast right now. The podcast is called Help I Got a Mac, and it's done by um, a fellow I know named Cliff Ravenscraft. He recently has gone into podcasting full-time. And tonight I was going going to talk to you about RSS, blogging, and podcasting, and all that encompasses. But I wanted to um, just give you a chance, and I'm going to put this on speaker in just a minute, for uh, Cliff and his co-host to say hi and for you to say hi back. And um, if you have any questions, maybe you can... uh, have a question for the um, help I got at Mac guys. So I'm going to put uh, you guys on speaker now, okay? Very good. Sounds okay, good. Okay, you're on speaker. All right, can everybody hear us? All right. So, uh, hello, everybody. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft. I'm and I'm Chris. <laughs> I'm here in northern Kentucky. And I'm in Cincinnati. And we're hooked up via Skype uh, with one another. I'm using my MacBook with Skype. And, Chris, what are you using? I'm using my MacBook Pro with Skype. All right. And then what I've done is I've brought him into uh, a mi- an audio mixer board, and I have a telephone inf- in, uh, interface that we are dialed into a telephone conference bridge, which is connected to a service called TalkShoe, which is what uh, Patrick there is also dialed into, and it allows us and the entire world to come together and do a live recording of this podcast. Mm. Okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is the Greenville Macintosh Youths Group. Um, Bill, can you tell, uh, to help I got a Mac audience, how long um So they've been around for 15 years. The Greenville, is it, what is that, South Carolina? Greenville, South Carolina, right. Okay, so they've been around for 15 years as a Mac user group. That's awesome. Yeah, actually 10 or 12 years that we've been in uh, in one form or another. Gotcha. Cool. That's very exciting. I'm glad you guys are getting together. Um, we are a we're a podcast that's devoted just to the Mac Switcher. So uh, uh, we anybody you know that you come along uh, come across that says you know hey I've I've finally decided I'm sick of this Vista stuff that they're pushing out there. Uh, I I went ahead and got a Mac, but I'm having a hard time understanding. I'm sure you guys would love to bring them into your user group. But uh, in between meetings, feel free to have them call in to uh, help. I got a Mac. We record. At, we've just moved to Monday nights at 7 p.m. But they can always listen to our recorded shows at any time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, at helpigotamac.com. Is there any questions you guys have for us about podcasting, about RSS, or uh, the the my co-host Chris? He's actually a, a Mac genius, a former Mac genius. So feel free to ask any kind of questions you guys have. I have a question in my path. Go ahead. 
Uh, have him get close to the phone because it's. Uh, yeah, if I you can. could, whoever's asking the question, if you could get closer to the phone so we can all hear you. I can pass the phone around. That would be great. Patrick, I, I appreciate you you calling in and, and letting them know about our show. And, and if anybody out there is listening in the Greenville, South Carolina and, uh, area, and or if you if maybe you know maybe you have family in South Carolina and they've just got a Mac, or you want to tell them to get a Mac, uh, where can they find your guys's user group at? It's at GreenvilleMug.org. So GreenvilleMug.org. Correct. Very cool. Well, I'm going to go ahead and uh, let you go. If you guys have any other questions, uh, I'll take them now. Otherwise, we'll move on with the rest of the topics. And I just want to let everybody know real quick that you know while we are focused on, on the Mac Switcher, if you guys do have a question, you know we're, we're more than happy to answer it. Uh, because even though you've used a Mac for, for, you know, for 10, 15 years or, or 20 years, uh, there's still those, those things that, okay, that come across that... I'll see you guys later. Okay, thanks a lot. There, there's still those things that come across that... That you know that that seasoned Mac users can can still you know have questions on it, and if they feel free to ask us, you know, because if there's a question that you have, it's probably a question that that who, someone's new to a Mac is going to come across as well. Very cool. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So so anybody, just call in, ask your questions. You can uh, call our listener line at area code eight five nine seven nine five four zero six seven, just like Alaska Brad did, and uh, we can put it into our next show. And the nice thing about calling in your questions is it gives us an opportunity to do some research for you as well. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it, makes me, it makes me sound really, really super smart. There you go. So uh, let's see here. We talked about the news. Now, is there anything else? Uh, you said a lot of bug fixes and a couple different little um, uh, option tweaks to uh, Leopard's new operating update, right? Uh, yeah. So that's pretty much it, though. As far as as far as I can tell, that that's it. There's there's a couple you know little fixes for printers and network connections and and shared network drives and stuff like that. But you know that's there's like no new features other than the uh, the the toolbar being you know changed from opaque to solid and uh, and the stacks fix. Okay, so I want to give an update to last week. I, I shared my my network horror story and my wireless networking horror story. Afterwards, would you believe the typical Mac user podcast had did a whole show regarding uh, networking on a Mac? And at the very end of it, the last 10 minutes, they talked specifically about the same kind of problem that I've been having. And so I listened to it, and they said, here's a suggestion of something to try. And uh, lo and behold, what I did is I went into the network, and I created a location and it, he said what you need to do is go in and on that location, disable every network interface that's not the airport. Okay. And he says, you know, that's been reported to work almost all the time. And so I went ahead and did that, created that location, and I let it go. And it worked for about 18 hours. Uh, but then all of a sudden, it finally caused the same kind of problem it always caused, and it didn't work. But I figured, well, maybe that's just a fluke. Well, um, I'll tell you, I went upstairs uh, during Lost last week, and I sat down next to my wife, and 
it 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 just crashed left and right. I couldn't get that thing to connect for more than twenty minutes at a time. And so it's just been really frustrating. So whenever I'm at home, I literally am tethered to an Ethernet cord for uh, internet connectivity. And that, it's extremely frustrating to me. Now, I did go down to PodCamp Nashville, and I was able to get connected. So it's, I, don't know, I don't know if it – of course, I don't know how – I wasn't connected for lengthy period of times in Nashville either. Hey, Cliff. Yes. Real quick, can you, can you mute Cool Guy, please? Yeah, absolutely. Sorry about that. And uh, so anyway, uh, yeah, so basically I'm still having some issues. I think I'm going to take my MacBook over to the Apple store. I'm going to have them invest, investigate it, see if they can run some kind of uh, some kind of diagnostic on my airport card, see if there's an issue with it. I'll be honest, there's really not anything they can do. But really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> there's no, there's no, there's no uh, magic software they're going to run or anything. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what. Cool Guy wants to ask a question or speak about something. Go ahead, Cool Guy. You're on the line. No problem. Did you want to uh, comment on something? I'll tell you what, cool guy. If you're coming in on the shoe phone, we're not able to hear you. You're breaking up pretty bad. Okay. I'll tell you what, if you wouldn't mind uh, going ahead and asking your question or, or typing it into the chat, and uh, Chris will take a look at it or somebody else will take a look at it, we'll, we, will, we will read whatever it is that you have in the chat room there and, and respond to that. And uh, also I saw that, uh, that Congested uh, had a question about the, the, when, when Steve uh, was talking about Time Capsule, and, and for those who don't know, Time Capsule is, is – Apple's basically uh, their airport or their wireless uh, their wireless router slash network attached storage uh, solution for Time Machine and things like that. It allows you to back up to your back up your computer wirelessly to a hard drive that's connected to your network. Right. And what he kept saying is that they were server grade hard drives. Yes. And he was asking what that means. And um. Basically, uh, hard drive manufacturers have two classes of drives, a consumer-based hard drive and an enterprise or server-grade, as Apple referred to it. And uh, the primary distinction is that the enterprise-class hard drives are more rigorously tested uh, as to typically guarantee over 1 million hours of mean time between failure. Uh, and that's assuming 24 hours a day, tw- uh, seven-day-a-week usage. And what that means is, is for the consumer-grade hard drives, they really don't test... Uh, a bank of, of hard drives for how long uh, it, the failure hour is between between drives, and uh, no, a normal hard drive. Google did a study; they they have a lot of um, consumer uh, grade hard drives in, in in their network there because they've got more drives and more storage than anybody, pretty much. Right. And they say after about two years, those drives start to have a higher increase of failing, and every year it it almost doubles the, the rate of failure. And these these server grade hard drives have a longer shelf life, basically. Did they? But they didn't say how much longer. No, uh, the, the hard drive specs on on them vary as far as server grade hard drives. Generally, up to one million hours. Uh, the the time capsule drive carries a, a MTBF rating of one point two million hours. So, uh, 
that's 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 pretty much what people are saying. And Seagate's Barracuda uh, comes in about the same. Right. Don wants to know if either of us, of course, um, he's asking either of us if we've done a restore using Time Machine. I personally don't have Time Machine uh, because I don't have Leopard yet. But Chris, have you experienced a, 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 a restore yet? No. Uh, Time Machine, as a lot of people uh, aren't aware of, is not a bootable image of, of your drive. It's got all your data there and everything like that, but you just can't boot off of it. When you, when you put in your Leopard disk or your system restore disk, if you got you know, a brand new machine, uh, and boot off that. There's an option to restore from Time Machine. Uh, another option is if you download uh, a piece of software called SuperDuper. SuperDuper was just updated for Leopard, and they do allow you to have the ability to make a Time Machine backup that's bootable. And if you just do a Google search for SuperDuper, it's all good to go, and it's it's a great piece of software. Okay, great. Now, um, let's go and uh, talk about our new Mac user tip, if that's okay with you. Sure. Is that, or uh, that, is that the one you were just talking about? No, but it's, uh, it's along the same lines. Okay, well, tell us about it. Sure. What, what a lot of people don't know is when you boot a Mac up, there's a couple little secret key combinations that you can do to change the way the computer starts up. Uh, one of them is you put in uh, a DVD and you turn your computer on you and you hold down the C key and you can boot off of any kind of optical media that you have on your computer, whether it be a Windows disk, a Linux disk, or even you know a Mac OS X disk. Uh, the one that I want to talk about, though, is when you boot up, you hold down the Option key. And that's the key right, right in between Control and the little, the little Command key there on your keyboard. If you boot up your computer and hold down the Option key, what the computer does, what the Mac does, is it goes and looks at every port on your computer uh, every USB port and every FireWire port and on the optical drive and your hard drive and says, okay, guys, what is connected to me that I can boot off of? Okay. And what, what this is helpful for is if you're having a hard drive issue or if you're like me, a few weeks ago my hard drive and my MacBook died. Right. I needed to boot off of another drive. So I you know, powered up, hold down, held down the option key, and it showed my other computer – because I had them firewired together, it showed that I could boot off my other computer. So I was able to do that and restore my computer. So it, it's just a, it's a neat little tip that if you want to hold down your option key when you put it in, you can, you can select um, what drive you want to boot off because if you have multiple drives, then uh, that'll work that way. It's pretty cool. Awesome. So, so the, now you have to install that. Um, there's no additional software that you have to install to get to that option. Is that right? No, it's it's built in the app. It's built into the uh, Mac itself. So let me ask you this: If I had a distribution of Linux running on a USB or on a USB thumb drive, that was mm-hmm. one of those bootable drives, mm-hmm. or bootable uh, instances of Linux. If I use use the uh, the option key to get to this bootable menu, could I then choose to boot from that and have Linux running on my MacBook? Yeah, it's gonna see it. Uh, the way that they've written it, any non-Mac software that it sees, it's gonna see, it's gonna call it Windows. Uh huh. So you'll 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 put your thumb drive in, and you'll see it. It'll say Windows Disk or Windows PC, uh-huh. but it's actually your Linux install. That's funny that it automatically assumes that. Don yeah. Don is the one who asked us that question about the time capsule, and he's on the line now. Don, you wanted to elaborate elaborate on your question. Well, yeah, the, the only thing that I was asking about specifically, and, and uh, uh, Cliff, you and I had kind of talked about this uh, a week or so back, 
Um, I'm, I do a lot of video editing and audio editing, and, of course, I use the Adobe suite of uh, products, and, of course, they run best under XP, you know, rather than uh, on, the, on the, the Mac side. I have VMware loaded. I've got four gigs of, of RAM in my MacBook Pro, so, you know, RAM is not an issue or whatever, but, of course, running, running the Adobe products under, under VMware, you know, isn't as good as using Boot Camp, you know, and that's what I was getting ready to, to try to do is to go ahead and do Boot Camp on it, uh, but I wanted to, uh, have everything backed up, which is what I've been doing with Time Machine. I've just got everything backed up on Time Machine. I understand what Chris was talking about, that, yeah, you have to kind of boot with the with the Mac, you know, the original disks and get that started. Then you can go over the, the Time Machine and pull everything back over. But that's, I guess, what my main question was, uh, do you see any, any or foresee any problems if I was to go in, have everything backed up, literally do a fresh... Uh, reload of the the Mac OS. Try to get boot camp and everything established right first, and then go over to Time Machine and, th- and then say bring everything back the way it was. So essentially, it would be the same in the end, with the exception that I would have a working uh, you know boot camp folder. Um, and I, you know, and, and like I said, when I talked with you before, I tried to do the just you know doing boot camp and getting it installed with everything running, but I had an issue with uh, the copy of uh, XP that I've got not wanting to recognize that small boot camp partition that wanted to reformat the entire drive. And so, you know, I was just trying to look for a way to, to do this without uh, you know, losing everything because I've, I've had the Mac now long enough that I've got it comfortably set up the way I want, and I don't want to have to you know, completely restart if I have to. Yeah, what you know, what I, I would recommend doing is, um, I don't know if I would use Time Machine. I, I would use that drive that you're backing Time Machine up on, and I would actually uh, download a copy of Super Duper and make an exact copy that way. If if you want to go the the way of restoring it and things like that, because then what you could do is, since it's an exact bootable, pristine copy that's not kind of you know augmented with Time Machine, you can actually go back in, reformat your whole system. Uh, once it's back up and updated and booted and stuff, then you can run the migration assistant, which is included uh, on your computer. It's in the utilities folder. Run the migration assistant and then copy your profile and everything over. And then th- then you'll have a, a pristine setup, you know, after boot camp's all set up and everything. But that's If you're going to do that, that's how I would do it. I, if it was me, I probably would just go ahead and run boot camp and and set it up. I've done it so many times that it, it's kind of not a, it's a non-issue for me. But if you if you back up with with super duper that way if something does happen and your whole thing's gone then you've got a pristine bootable copy uh on your drive right and the the uh, one thing that i w- wonder uh chris is if you are if you actually do the boot camp instead of time machine anything that's on that other partition that that xp side of things that's not getting backed up is that correct yeah, the boot boot camp is not backing up any of that kind of stuff at all. What if you do super duper? Does it get both partitions or not? I think it only gets the the Mac partition still. Okay, cool. Now one one of the nice things uh, you can do when you have a, your boot camp partition is that if you do run VMware or Parallels, um, you can actually still use those with your boot camp partition. 
which is really, really nice. So if you just want to pop in to Windows while you're on your Mac, you know, to open up a Word document, you know, or if you're using Office 2008 or you need to get an IE or something that, something that doesn't take a whole lot of system resources, you can still use that with VMware or Parallels. And then when you want the full power of, of the laptop or desktop in Windows, then you can use Boot Camp. Okay, I got a question on that then. So let's just, but, okay, so I have XP on my Parallels now, which I don't like. I'd rather have Boot Camp. But I'm waiting until I upgrade to Leopard to do boot camp. So let's just say I upgrade to Leopard and I now have boot camp installed using my same uh, Windows serial number that's on my parallels. So when you say I can still use parallels, would I use parallels to get into my boot camp or would I use parallels to get into the version I've already installed on my, my parallels? You could, uh, you could do both. Um, looks like Kilo Delta was asking, uh, he wants to do some virtualization for Linux distros. You know what, uh, for something like that, where you're going to be, you know, blowing away those virtualizations all the time and stuff like that, I would probably use a virtual machine. Um, and like you were saying, Cliff, you, you can, you can have multiple, you know, multiple virtual machines and a virtual, for those who don't know, a virtual machine is, is just that it's a, it's a, it's a file on your computer that, parallels or when it runs or VMware when it runs and Windows runs in it, Windows thinks it's a hard drive. This whole file is a hard drive. Right. It's a basic way to think about it. And uh, for something like, like Linux distros when you're, when you're trying a bunch of different things and testing different things I would use the virtual machine and not even worry about using boot camp. And that way because you can clone them, you, you can do all sorts of really nice things. You can move them back and forth in between different machines and you, know, you don't have to worry about setting up hardware again or software you know software drivers or anything like that with the other operating systems because it's the same every time. So if I so if I blow away the parallels version of XP that I have on my system and I go in and install XP on boot camp, I can still use parallels to get into that bootable XP that I have. Yes. So whatever's saved on that side I can still use parallels to get to it. And what's nice about it is uh, you can still load, you know, if you, like I use, uh, not anymore, but I was using the boot camp side for games and stuff like that. It does some kind of magical voodoo when you, when you log in the Parallels or VMware. It doesn't change anything, but, you know, it, you obviously can't play your games and stuff. But it's just really, really cool the way it, it allows you to use that boot camp partition. It's, it's amazing. Gotcha. All right. And I think, uh, I think Cool Guy had a question also. Yeah, let's see, because I, I mean, I know he was asking something about Star Wars, which I, I want to make sure that this is going to be Mac-related. Let's try it out, though. Uh, cool guy, you're on the line. Hey, Go um, ahead. Well, uh, I have a Dell Inspiron 1501, you know, and I know that this program mainly works on Macs that you're talking about, but I wonder if it will work with Windows Vista at all, if possible. If you can put what if you can put Vista on the Mac machine, is that what you're asking? No, 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 no. I have a Windows machine, and I wonder if this Mac program will work with my machine. If what will work with your machine? The Which program that you're talking about? The time capsule. Yeah, or any of those that you mentioned. Okay. No. No. We're, everything we're talking here is strictly for the Mac and the Mac OS. Uh, there are many uh, versions of PC software that will do similar things to this. Uh, there, there are programs out there that will allow you to do incremental backups like Time Capsule does. 
Uh, there are programs out there that will allow you to do a virtual machine, letting you run Linux and other other programs. Um, which now, just pro- a just a real quick thing, uh, just so people do know, if you do have a mixed environment where you have some Macs and some Windows machines and, and things of that nature, uh, Time Capsule will work as a network attached storage device. So if you just want to store files or or share, uh, you know, in, you know, your music collection to all your computers on the network. It'll work both with Mac and Windows, but it won't do any of the backup stuff. It'll just see the Windows will just see Time Machine as a hard drive on the network. Yeah, it, it, that's all it's going to get is it's just going to be a hard drive. It's not going to be like a backup solution at all. Uh, so yeah, and as far as which programs out there, you know, um, all I would say that uh, you know I, I don't know. Uh, there, VMware might actually have a PC version for being able to install like Linux and stuff like that, but you're not going to be able to get Mac to run on your PC at least without some major hacking and some illegal functionality. So yeah, and and the thing is, uh, even even if you're able to do like what they call the Hackintosh, you need a really really modern processor, you know, with the new uh, SSE three instructions and all that kind of stuff. Um, and that's because you know it's it's a brand new modern operating system. It's just that's just how it is. And you know Apple is not in the software business. I mean they are, but you know Steve Jobs is a hardware guy, and and Macs are you know a- Apple's in the business of selling boxes. Gotcha. So um, yeah, I think that um, answers that question there. And did did Rev Tim have a question? In the chat room, let's uh, let's see if I can bring Rev Tim on because I thought I saw him say he had a question. Tim, do you have a question for us? Well, I, uh, can you hear me? Okay, absolutely. Come oh yeah, we hear you great. Okay, cool. Um, well, I I was just kind of in the chat room asking back and forth. Um, I've got a 500 gig um, external hard drive that I've been just using for Time Machine with Leopard, and uh, I know that Super Duper just did their uh, their big update, so. Uh, I guess my question is, am I really doing an overkill using Time Machine? Should I just partition um, that external hard drive into two and then uh, kind of use Super Duper for, for half of it and then use the other half of a partition um, just to play around with, like backup videos or audio or whatever? You know, basically like it's two drives there. That's a good question. What do you think, Chris? Well, um, the th- the thing with uh, the thing with backup, or uh, I'm sorry, Time Machine, is that it does you know incremental backups you know once an hour. It looks for any kind of uh, file changes and, and things like that. So it it's nice for that for those kind of moments where it's like you know an hour ago I just deleted a Word document that I shouldn't have done. Super duper. Uh, the free version just makes you know a one whole backup of of the drive bootable. You can buy. Uh, you can actually buy the application uh, for twenty seven ninety five, and I think what it does is uh, it runs scheduled backups on demand. Um, I'm just kind of reading what it does here. Uh, can can store a bootable copy alongside Time Machine copy. Uh, copy Time Machine backups to other drives. Run scheduled copies on demand. Polishes and improves many other aspects as well. I don't know what that means, but super duper. What I've always kind of kind of seen like it did. Um, it just copies the whole drive. It just clones everything. So the thing is, if you make a copy of your whole drive and then you know make a bunch of changes to your computer, and a week from now you try to go back to to another instance, Super Duper doesn't do that. 
it can. You can set it up to do incremental, but the time machine is really, really good at kind of just automating that whole process of, of you know, copying the changes to your drive hour by hour. Right. So I think it's two two kind of different beasts. So so the question is, is uh, you know, I I would say that my suggestion, if if I of course I I don't use either, but uh, if I had a two hundred and fifty gig hard drive, I'm thinking, man, I'd hate to lose. Uh, you know, so much of that space just for Time Machine. I would use maybe a hundred gigs of that for uh, Time Machine, and then I would use the. I would partition that, and I would keep myself 150 gigs for something else. That's where I would store the backups of all my big videos and and things like that, personally. But uh, yeah, yeah it, with, with Time Machine, you you want the the rule of thumb is to have the drive. You know, have the space you've dedicated for time to ma- time machine to be at least as big as the hard drive you're backing up from. That makes sense, absolutely. Right. And uh, it's going to want to be actually bigger because uh, you know you're going to be storing incremental changes and things like that. Tim, how big is your hard drive? Uh, it's a 500 gig hard drive. So oh. You, but I can't partition it into two and just use Time Machine on one of those partitions, right? Doesn't it only no. You can. Yeah, you you can. I actually uh, I have a 300 gig uh, external hard drive at work. I partitioned 150 to be for Time Machine and the another 150 to be just for data. Oh, cool. So what do I do with the, all the Time Machine backups I have now on it? It's like almost full because I've been using that since the beginning. Yeah, you're gonna lose it all, unfortunately. Well, yeah, and I'm not. It's not a big deal because nothing's wrong right now. So mm-hmm. right. maybe I'd be all right. Huh. It sounds like it. Cool. Thank Very you. good. All right. Well, Chris, do you have anything else to to show, share with us before we wrap things up here? We're already at 45 minutes, and I don't want to go too much longer. No, man. I need to go to the grocery store and buy milk and bread because uh, we're going to have <laughs> the white death falling from the sky. Actually, I, I take that back. My wife already went to the grocery store today. So Did she? Have you ever yeah. noticed that, though? If there's like a giant snowstorm coming, and, and giant in Cincinnati, for those that don't, you know, don't know, or the... the uh, supposed two to five inches that we're going to get which means we're going to get nothing or we're going to get seven feet yeah and uh everybody just wants to you know go buy milk and bread i know it's crazy anyway uh everybody thank you for joining us live here in uh, the talk shoe chat room we're live every 7 p.m every 7 p.m every monday night at 7 p.m and uh you can catch us at gspn.tv live slash live and uh, I'm going to have to play that music over again here. Let me just go ahead and restart it. And because uh, I like to talk a lot. Why didn't you play? Why didn't you play the long one? That is the long one. Oh, you just like to talk. I just like to talk. So anyway, uh, you can call uh, call in your questions. Call in your questions anytime, night or day. 859-795-4067. And Chris, what's yes, your, sir. What's your Twitter ID? It is twitter.com/slash biting. B-E-I-T-I-N-G. Gotcha. And mine is twitter.com slash GSPN. We'll catch you soon. Thanks for listening. See ya. Want to help support this show? Visit gspn.tv slash donate today.